Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Monica Klein Show. This is Monica Klein. I am your host today, and this um, episode is this radio show is coming to you sponsored by It Takes a Family, and I'm really excited to uh, do another show and just have another uh, time to talk about life and family. Um, And for those of you who don't know my history, just wanted to let you know that I am a former comprehensive sex educator. Um, And it's important to me that when when I began to see how that education was harming children and harming our communities, it was really important for me to to go ahead and pull away from that, but also to educate parents and families and, and and families of faith as well to understand the culture, to understand what this education is doing so that we are not deceived. And so we can educate our children with the very best information, not only in our faith, but with medical accuracy. Because believe it or not, guys, uh, science is on our side. It really is on our side. And all of those natural instincts that you have as a parent, that you want to protect your children, um, those are very real and valid um, instincts. And you should never feel like you can't talk to your children about some difficult subjects. But then there are times that I know and understand that you're thinking, how can I talk about this subject or that subject? How do I address sex? How do I address marriage? How do I address the culture that is now cohabitating? How do I address uh, LGBTQ? How do I address those things? Well, that is what It Takes a Family is about and what this radio show is about. I want to bring content experts to come on to the radio show with me and provide information that you need so that you're educated and you know how to talk to your children about these subjects with facts and love and compassion and understanding. Because parents, I want you to be the leader in your home. I want your children to be like, oh my gosh, mom and dad actually know what's happening in the culture. They they know what's happening when I go to school. They know what's happening when I see this or that on the phone or on the internet. I want them to be able to come to you and be surprised every time that you actually know quite a few things about some of these cultural topics uh, that are that are facing our kids today. But, you know, it's not just our kids. You know, I was talking to a dad the other day, actually a couple of months ago, and he said, you know, this whole uh, gender dysphoria thing, that's not part of my generation. So I just told my kids, that's your generation. That's something you have to figure out. Well, no, you know, mom and dad, no matter how old our kids are, even in college age, it's so important that you're able to talk to them about the facts, to talk about the culture, even if you don't have answers right away. But let that conversation happen because it's so important because, while you know, they're they're kind of like fish out of water. I mean, they're trying they're flailing around in the culture trying to figure it out. So um I want you to use It Takes a Family as a resource. Go to my uh, website, ittakesafamily.org. I have research under the resources. I have uh, other books, articles that you can access. And share this. um, Tell people about the radio show. Tell them how they they can access the show every Saturday at 10 in the morning. Tell them that they can um, also access a recording on my website. Um, And just feel free to email me at hello at monicacline.com, and I'd be happy to answer any of your questions. But today, I am really excited because I have a good friend of mine. Actually, we have quite a bit of history, and I'll share a little bit about that. Heather Gardner is here with me today, and she is the executive director of Texas Coalition for Life um, and Central Texas Coalition for Life. And um, I met Heather many years ago because um, when I spoke for the first time exposing comprehensive sex education, it was at a group in Waco, Texas. And I don't remember if she was actually there or not, but she got wind of what I talked about. And Heather 
is actually one of the people responsible for getting me to speak quite often. Um, and that, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, and she is a woman uh, a faith, a woman who is, has been working in the pro-life uh, field for so many years. And, I, and I'm and i bringing her on the show today because I want you to hear from her about how she is saving lives on the sidewalk and not just herself. She is an individual who wants to educate the community. She wants to create leaders everywhere in her sphere of influence to save lives on the sidewalk. And you're probably thinking, how do you save lives on the sidewalk? I don't really understand what you mean by that. It's boots on the ground, guys. So um, Heather, thank you for being on the show today. I'm really glad to be here, Monica. Yay, awesome, I'm glad. And tell us a little bit about what, what does it mean to save lives on the sidewalk? Tell us about your organization and how you guys do that. Sure. So Central Texas Coalition for Life is our mission in short is to end abortion peacefully and prayerfully in Central Texas through prayer and fasting, um, community outreach and education and prayer vigils on the sidewalks in front of local abortion facilities. So we are uh, active throughout the year with mostly volunteers. Uh, We're very um, volunteer based grassroots efforts. Uh, we go to churches all over Central Texas and recruit volunteers to come and pray on the sidewalk, to be trained on these issues that surround abortion, be trained on what the resources are in the community. And the most common response that we get from women that we encounter on the sidewalk in front of abortion facilities is, I didn't know. They just don't know about all these other resources that are available to them. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And one of the biggest ones being the abortion industry has a lot of money for marketing. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows that that's the place to go. And a lot of people think that's the only place to go. And so we are fighting an uphill battle trying to help people understand this is not the only place. And in fact, this place has very limited services. Uh, They don't care about your health. They actually are very money driven uh, and their primary focus is abortion. They have abortion quotas. Uh, So we want to make sure that people understand that and understand um, all the issues surrounding that. And then uh, we're like a bridge from these abortion facilities to these life-affirming resources, to the free and reduced cost services. So we end up being that last line of defense a lot of times. If a woman's going in for an abortion, that could be at that very last moment of hope. Maybe her loved one at home tried to st- tried to talk her out of going to her appointment that day. Maybe the boyfriend or the, or the husband, whoever, the father of the baby, doesn't want the abortion, wants to support her and the child, but she doesn't want to. Um, and there's other scenarios. Scenarios too, but regardless, we'll encounter her in that last moment. She sees people she can't uh, not see us as she's driving in, mm-hmm. and if she has the courage to stop and talk, or not even talk, maybe just stop, think, and turn around and drive away. Mm-hmm. That's a life saved. That's her baby's life saved and her life spared from a lot of heartache, um, possibly her actual physical life if she is damaged or killed from the abortion procedure directly or indirectly. Uh, and then obviously there's emotional and spiritual ramifications as well. Now, Heather, you mentioned that you were that bridge, I think I'm going to say it correctly, between the abortion clinic and life-saving resources. Right. And how, how do you become that bridge? Like when I mentioned that you're saving lives on the sidewalk, what, how, how do you do that? How are you intercepting people at the abortion clinic? So everything that we do is 
is, of course, very legal. We are a legal, peaceful organization. We do not condone uh, aggressive or violent behavior or behavior that is uh, law-breaking because we want to be the most effective that we can at turning people away from that abortion facility. And so we stand on the public right-of-way in front of these facilities. We've done all of our homework. We know what the city ordinances are. We know where we can and can't stand. Uh, We have had many, many people, mostly abortion workers, that are frustrated with the um, effect that we're having, uh, try to deter us by calling the police, telling us that we're trespassing when we when we aren't. Um, if we if we had been trespassing, we would be gone. We would have been gone a long time ago. But mm-hmm. we're still here because we know what we're doing is legal, and so do the law enforcement. And so we uh, go there. We stand um, publicly. We stand in the public right of way peacefully. People will pray. They'll come individually or pray in groups. And then we will have what we call trained sidewalk advocates that are trained specifically to talk to women to talk about the. Um, issues that they may be facing and to redirect them to the resources. And they'll usually stand uh, right up, you know, closer to the driveway where we're going to have the most interaction with people. Now that's, I I can imagine that we may have some listeners who've never seen this happen, Um, who've never seen what it's like to be on the sidewalk and how it, it impacts people. Um, what what does it look like? Like, what does a day on the sidewalk look like for someone? It varies. So one of the things that we talk about in our trainings, both our general prayer volunteer training and then our also uh, more advanced uh, sidewalk advocate training, is that uh, I can share all kinds of stories from the sidewalk with you. Mm-hmm. You might go there and you might witness a save on the very first day, maybe the first hour that you're there. You might, um, whether you're part of that or, you know, by talking to them or you're a prayer volunteer and you witness a sidewalk advocate get a woman to turn mm-hmm. around, you might witness that. And that might motivate you to think, oh, my gosh, this works. Why isn't why isn't every Christian here on the sidewalk? Mm-hmm. Or you might be a trained sidewalk advocate who doesn't see anything like that for a year. Um, You might go to the sidewalk and every time you go, it's either quiet, nothing has happened, nobody really stops and talks. Or you you actually have a lot of talking, but it's not positive. It's it's mm. negative. It's people yelling at you. It's people you know ac- falsely accusing you of not caring about women or shaming women or um, being political, whatever the case may be. Uh, you just never know. There's there's mm. no there's no problem. I I promise you that people are going to notice your presence, um, but we don't know how people are going to react necessarily. Um, both just passersby and people that are um, going to the abortion facility. So you just never know. So a day could, it, it, anything could happen anything could <laughs> on happen. any given day. <laughs> wow. No, that's good. Now, I want to talk about an example that I think is part of your history personally uh, and and part of the history of sidewalk, I guess, advocacy. Mm-hmm. And that is how this method impacted a very well-known director of a Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. um, and Abby Johnson and who came out of that industry. And there and sidewalk ad- advocacy was a big part of that. And so can you tell us more about that story and how prayerful, peaceful um, presence on the sidewalk changed Abby's life? Absolutely. So Abby, of course, used to work at the Planned Parenthood in Bryan College Station. 
uh, we were blessed enough to have a full-time year-round organization called, also called the Coalition for Life. It was the Brazos Valley Coalition for Life. And in the beginning, of course, this was this was new to a lot of people in that area. And so they kind of had some tactics that were not the best tactics. And that was that was from things that they had seen, uh, you know, from from early on when abortion was first legalized, just more aggressive sure. tactics, more condemning tactics. Sounds like the process wasn't refined it, yet. It wasn't. It really, yeah. it, it was still be, you know, becoming, um, you know, it's not to say that there weren't people across the country that were doing peaceful efforts that were being effective, but it wasn't as well known. And especially, of course, social media comes around later and that really helps things a lot. But um, so there were some individuals that had more aggressive tactics. And so once the Coalition for Life team realized this is not effective, this is not going to help, they did what they could to shoo those people away, to really try to help them understand, like, this is not helpful. And we want to make sure that our training is more based on the peaceful method that's approachable because we want people to come and talk with us. Um, this is not going to help. This is only going to make, you know, the aggressive uh, behavior is only going to make women run faster into right. these facilities, right. and it's not going to change any hearts of abortion workers. So um, a few years after the Coalition for Life was founded, Abby Johnson came along. She started as a volunteer and then became an employee and then eventually the, the director of the Planned Parenthood. So she had seen the Coalition for Life from the beginning outside of her workplace. And she was told the negative things, of course, right away. And unfortunately, she saw some of the negative things. But she also saw that there was a difference. There was very much a difference with how the the leadership of the Coalition for Life um, was running and, and operating their prayer their prayer vigils. And then, of course, with 40 Days for Life of having that 24-hour um, presence at right. the time, uh, that was peaceful. And so that definitely made an impact on her. And if anybody knows anything about Abby Johnson, you know that she is a firecracker and she says what's on her mind immediately. Right. And so she had plenty of words with plenty of us throughout the years. Uh, and she would tell the people, hey, that one bad apple over there is hurting your cause. You know, that that one bad <laughs> apple over there is not helping you. And. Uh, I remember, so I, I actually was a student at Texas A&M University, and that's how I got involved was I started volunteering with the Brazos Valley Coalition for Life. And I remember uh, one day when I was on the sidewalk, and it was towards the beginning, so I was very timid still. I was very much still trying to make up yeah. all the excuses for not going to the sidewalk. Wow. And thankfully, <laughs> I had, I, I really, really did a lot. And I had some really good friends who nudged me and just kept on inviting me and saying, no, 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 just come, just be with us. It's really powerful. It has an impact, you know, and here's all the lives that have been saved, this, this, that, and the other. And I remember Abby coming out, and it was a busy abortion day. And so ten tensions were high um, because there was a lot of people on the sidewalk that Saturday morning and there was a lot of um, women going in for abortions. And I remember we had some sidewalk advocates that were reaching out talking to clients. They were talking mm -hmm. to clients um, on the through the fence. Um, we had easy access right there um, to talk with them. And the um, the you know one person was considering talking to a sidewalk advocate. There was some progress that was being made, but then here comes along this this person who doesn't want to follow the Coalition for Life guidelines. And Abby, who was the director at the time, immediately pointed that out and said, yeah. your cause would be a lot better if it wasn't for people like him. And she later on went to say with an invitation, 
um, to go for coffee, she later on went to say like, no, not because because that person's on the sidewalk with you. So I don't trust you. And she knew she knew good and well that we were not condoning of that behavior and that we wouldn't do that. But she knew the individuals that would come out and would do that. And so that really um, delayed, I think, Abby coming out of the abortion industry. That's interesting. You know, and. Is it, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of history there, a lot, a lot to flesh out with what her reaction was, mm-hmm. which is the reaction of many others in the abortion industry as well. Um, and maybe, you know, it's interesting that she was actually giving suggestions on how you could improve. <laughs> so a little indication there that uh, that, that she was maybe a, a seed was being planted in her mind. But, you know, we're we're bumping up against a commercial break in just a bit. But when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more about how peaceful prayer is impacting people, whether it's the employees or the women or the families that are going into a Planned Parenthood uh, and share a few more stories on how how it is saving lives uh, and how it can impact people of even people who are not of faith. So uh, we'll be back in just a bit to talk about that and, um, and, and really flesh it out. Welcome back to the Monica Klein Show, and I'm your host, Monica Klein. I'm so glad that you are with us today on the radio show. And just as a reminder, if you are a business who believes in family, who believes in life and supporting life, and you want to advocate for that, um, I would really love to encourage you to support the radio show. You can contact me at hello at monicacline.com. By supporting the radio show, you'll get ads during the show. I'll also make sure you have some bulletins in the show. So um, I'll treat you really good (laughs) on this show. Would love to have your business support the radio show, supporting life and family. So, um, Heather, uh, we were talking a little bit about Abby's reaction, really, to the sidewalk advocates. And earlier I had even talked to you a little bit about, you know, how, how, why is it important to have people who are praying on the sidewalk? Like my experience has been that there are some people on the sidewalk who have been trained and can share the resources in the community. Um, who can interact with people. And then there were some people that I've heard that maybe they feel intimidated or not ready to do that, but they they literally stay there and just pray. Um, How is prayer so important in the process of sidewalk advocacy? Many, many ways. So first of all, very often, and you'll hear this from former abortion workers as well as women who uh, had abortions or have uh, almost had abortions before, that they were looking for a sign, that there was a lot of doubt in their decision Mm. to abort their child. But they were thinking the whole week, day, hour leading up to their abortion appointment and the ride to the facility, God, if you don't want me to do this, give me a sign. And so often you can be that sign. Mm -hmm. Your physical presence out on the sidewalk with a loving smile, with a with a caring look in your eyes, just as she's looking at you as she's driving in, you can be that sign. And we we've had a quick story, really. We had when I when I got um, involved early on as a volunteer with the Brazos Valley Coalition for Life, there was a young woman named Kim who we received a letter in the Coalition for Life office from her with a little picture on it, and she and it was a simple, quick note just to say. You don't know me, but I know who you guys are. My name is Kim. Mm -hmm. And um, a year ago, 
or not a year ago, I think she said 10 months ago, I was scheduled to abort my baby. And she said, I know it was you guys praying on the sidewalk. I didn't say anything to anybody. I went inside and I went right back out and I got in my car and I left. And here's a picture of my baby girl that I gave birth to a few weeks ago. And that was like, and we would never have known otherwise, but she took the time to write us a note and send us a photo. And all she did was just see the people. And it was her sign from God. And uh, there's there's countless, countless stories like that. Um, other times we'll get, especially when we're recruiting, I, people are hesitant about this because it's such a hot button issue. It's pro- arguably the most hot button issue in our society, it, you know, which is saying a lot because there's so many. But people will say, I, I, you know, it's great what you do, but I just that's not for me. I can't do that or I'm too afraid to do that. Or they'll say, I can pray from home. We don't need to go to the sidewalk. That's right. silly. Why would we do that? Mm-hmm. Why would we – all we would be doing is causing trouble by right. going to the sidewalk. Making a spectacle or something. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and uh, you know, you could be right if you do go there to make a spectacle because there are people that go there. I mean, in some places, thankfully, this isn't nearly as common as it used to be decades ago. But in some places, it can be a circus on the sidewalk. And it is crazy because you might have your crazy – um, pro-lifers who think that holding, you know, baby dolls in the air, maybe that mm. look like they have fake blood on them or, no. or, or just yelling or having ugly. Like that is not effective. Mm-hmm. That's not effective at all. And so you'll have that. But thankfully, you know, that's not that's not our area. That's not our mission. And that's not how we operate. And we have people that are peacefully praying who are sincerely caring for the people in our community. I mean, these are our own brothers and sisters in Christ in our community that are facing crisis. So right. we know that we can go there and hopefully intercept and try to uh, get them on a path to healing and help them. But I would say to those who still think, oh, well, we can just pray at home. That doesn't do any good. First of all, there was a movie that came out that was a major motion picture last year that kind of proves that <laughs> it's n- it doesn't do any good, which we could talk about later. But right. But I want you to I want you to think of it this way. Do you go and say that to people who are missionaries um, in other countries, such as uh, maybe a South American country where there's a mission field there where you're going and you're helping children that are starving? Maybe you're helping build homes in a village or you're helping build a water well because they need that basic need of having clean water. Right. Would you sit there and say, why would I need to do that? I can pray from home. No, like you need people praying and you need people going into the mission field. This is the mission field in our own backyard, in our own community. Very good. And so it is important to do this. And if people just understand that, uh, we wouldn't have 500 or more people signing up to come and pray, you know, every few months uh, to go pray on the sidewalk during the seasons if it wasn't effective. We wouldn't keep building our base. It is effective. And that's why we're doing it. You know, it may, as you were speaking, it uh, it always takes me back to when I was not a Christian and when I was in that lifestyle, uh, believing in sexual freedom and such, um, and, and really uh, using all of the talking points of sexual freedom to justify what I was doing even when I was in pain. Uh, and when I think about sidewalk advocacy, I think about a consistent presence, a consistent presence of people who are peaceful who are loving, who are not judging. And I say that because I have seen and witnessed those people myself. Um, And it reminds me of when God did call me to be part of his family, that he approached me with peace 
and love and compassion. He didn't, you know, when you when you talk about people who are, you know, holding up baby dolls with fake blood and things like that, thinking that's going to pull you out of your circumstances. Um, God did not show me pictures of what I've been doing. He didn't expose the horrible life that I was living in order to convince me to come into his kingdom. He actually showed me love and compassion and peace and said, aren't you tired? Would you like refreshment? Would you like, you know, would you, do you want a break from this? Not just a break, but an eternal life away from this. And because of that love and compassion, I, I came to him. And I, when I think back when I was at UT, I was thinking, and this is what makes me think about what y'all are doing on a consistent basis. If I had whether it was a ministry, whoever on the campus of UT, um, who consistently were there, and that I knew on a consistent basis, I'm always going to see them there. And maybe this day, I'm going to talk to them. That would make a huge difference. And these women are going to these clinics, possibly on a consistent basis to get birth control, to get go to appointments and to get abortions. And to see that consistent presence and the power of prayer is incredibly impactful. Um, And I think that it's not just a matter of opinion, but you have received countless stories from women who, whether they spoke to you or not, made a decision for life and they did not regret it. Mm -hmm. They did not regret it. Um, And I love that. I think that that you're right. It is a mission field right here in our own neighborhood. Um, Heather, what, what are some needs that Central Texas um, Coalition for Life needs? Like, what, what are some things that, that help make the organization work? Um, how many clinics are you at? How many people do you need to be doing this? And how, how can we get trained? Sure. So uh, sadly, in Austin right now, we have four places, we have four abortion facilities. So we had um, five years ago, went down to four, then it went down to two, and now it's back up to four. Um, mm-hmm. Just a lot, you know, there's a lot of legislation that's gone back and forth that is the reason for that. And so we do not have enough volunteers to cover all of the abortion facilities during all the business hours, which is our goal, short of closing these places down mm-hmm. so that we can help women find real help. Um, our goal in order to do that is to have them with peaceful presence out, out of outside of their facilities during all their business hours. And so right now we are covering um, two, uh, we're covering three of the four uh, mostly in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's certain times of year, the spring and the fall for 40 Days for Life, which is a which is a more concentrated effort. It's a prayer campaign um, that for 40 days, uh, we, you know, we have more volunteers that are there for about 12 hours a day, mm-hmm. six to seven days a week. So throughout the year, it varies, but we've got almost, you know, we've got mornings covered um, at two of them. And then there's, um, you know, it's kind of sporadic at the other ones. So we just need people to make an appointment with God on the sidewalk. That's really right. what it is about. And uh, it's just like if you're making your hair appointment, um, you write it in your, you know, if you're old school like me, you write it in your planner. If you're, you know, in the modern technology and you're writing it in your calendar, your online calendar, whatever, you're making a, an alert that your phone alerts you, whatever you've got to do. But you make that appointment and you you go there and we um, strive to have prayer partners. So we want to have a minimum of two people there at the same time. And um, and that matters because when you do that, people see it. You are promoting awareness, A, that there is an abortion facility. There's a place that's taking lives in our community. Mm-hmm. 
um, and B, that there's other places that they can go for help. And it really stirs up a lot. It makes people think about it. It keeps it on their minds. Um, A lot of people that live in the neighborhoods nearby don't like that there's an abortion facility there. Some of the people in the neighborhood don't like that we're there, and that's fine. Uh, But, you know, we're promoting awareness. And um, when we're not there, um, as David B. Wright has said, who's a who's a um, pro-life national pro-life leader, you know, for every hour that an abortion facility doesn't have people praying outside of it, the Christian church may as well put up a sign that says this place is open with permission of the Christian church. Mm, you know, I mean, it's powerful. Yeah, it's if we're not doing anything about this, then it's going to continue to happen. And that's why it has continued for 40, what, 47 years now that we're on. So, um, yeah. You know, Heather, as we're talking about this, it made me think about um, how how does this affect, you know, people may be thinking, well, this is a a Christian effort, you're praying, but how does this affect people who are not a faith? Do you think that this is, what has been the response from people? I'm assuming that not every woman who's going in for an abortion is a Christian, although many of them are. Yeah. So um, in terms of our volunteers and, and our our purpose. We are certainly not hiding the fact we are a faith-based organization. We are mm. Christian-based. Um, it's a it's a ministry founded on prayer, and so the majority of the people that are involved are are because it's because of their faith. Uh, but we have had people that are involved that are you know maybe from the Jewish faith or have no faith at all. They're secular, um, and we've had people approach us both online and on, in person on the sidewalk saying, "Hey, I'm not really about the praying thing, but I think what you're doing is a good thing because this place is terrible, and how can I get involved?" And so we've had some people that want to go through a training on, "Well, how do I talk to someone?" And that's okay too. So there's a place for everyone in this. Th- there really yeah. is. If you if if you understand, if you, if you don't believe in the power of prayer, but you understand that the presence and offering help there is important, then yeah, we can we can give that training. So people can um, go on our website, which is centraltexascoalition.com, um, or of course they can comment here, or uh, I know it'll get back to me yeah. <laughs> if somebody is interested in becoming trained. That's wonderful. So it is, so there's obviously the power of prayer, but then there's also the resources that are available. Mm -hmm. And so you've mentioned that we have four abortion clinics, but I know we have a lot more resources than we have. We do. Yeah. So tell us more about what resources are out there for women. So one of the more general things that we point out um, in the pro-life movement in the nationally is that um, there are 13 um, let's see, there are community health care centers, federally qualified community mm-hmm. health care centers that outnumber Planned Parenthood's alone 13 to 1. Right. So, um, you know, there's and they are our, our groups here that work more on the litigation side or the legislative side have pointed out um, within five miles of pretty much any locate of any abortion facility and then almost any residence, mm-hmm. there is a community health center. Right. Uh, so there are way more um, in the community. We do not need these abortion facilities. They right. do not have anything that are not offered elsewhere um, besides abortion. Oh, mm-hmm. And their, their services are decreasing anyway every year. They're really not about having the STD testing and the pap smears and that sort of thing. They're more focused on how do we funnel people into to get them in for an abortion eventually. And so um, we also have uh, 20 pregnancy centers across Central Texas wow. that have free uh, free services. And then we have um, some health care, some 
in independent healthcare doctors' offices that have reduced costs healthcare for women who are uninsured or underinsured. Right. So there are lots of resources for women. So there are. Um, I remember. I've volunteered for Agape for several years, and so there's a list of how women of, of pro-life doctors that they can go to, uh, with whether it you know by, with federal assistance, you know, so it, it's low cost if no cost. Um, and, and you're right, there's all these pregnancy centers that we have available to us that are providing ultrasounds, providing the pregnancy tests, providing counseling, um, and then providing support during pregnancy and even after pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many resources or pointing to other resources that if someone is concerned about getting a better job and having a higher, you know, getting a better income to support their child um, and their new family, that there's those resources as well. So it's interesting how the abortion clinics have one answer to a crisis, which is end the life, end the life of that child. Um, if we can end the life of this child, your life will be great. Like that is their only solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet these pregnancy centers are offering a, a lot of resources that really help an individual grow more as a person and as a parent um, and, and getting a new job or a different career, um, getting new friends. Um, so, many of the, so much of the time that I was at the pregnancy center, a lot of these women were coming to classes and meeting other women in the community that were in similar mm-hmm. circumstances and getting support from them. So I just want to remind people that there are so many resources out there through our Central Texas uh, or through pregnancy centers all over the nation. But I know in our, our area here, we're talking about mostly in Texas. And so I want to just know that on this radio show, I'll be inviting a lot of those pregnancy centers to come on the radio show so that we can really learn more about what they're doing, where they are, what is their reach. Uh, Because I want to encourage you to start referring people because you may need their services, but then you may know someone, meet someone who needs their services. And I want you to be able to share those with the people that you know. So I encourage you to um, also visit ittakesafamily.org and learn more about those resources. And then we'll be right back after this commercial break. Welcome back to the Monica Klein Show, and I'm your host, Monica Klein. I'm the founder of ItTakesAFamily.org. Please visit ItTakesAFamily.org. I provide a lot of resources and education for families to build family trust and confidence with their children. Parents, I want you to reclaim parenthood and be the authority, the leading voice in your child's life when it comes to conversations about marriage and sex and relationships and what's going on in the culture, and most of all, their identity. Their identity within your family, if you're family of, uh, a family of faith in Christ, their identity in Christ. So important that children are learning from their parents, their morals and their values. And you may be having questions about the culture. Monica, how do I respond to all of these things going on in our culture? Well, you can respond. You just need the information. So I encourage you to come to ItTakesAFamily.org where I would be more than happy to share the resources that I have on there under the resource tab. There's research, there's books, but also I'll be having starting in June live webinars twice a month to teach you more about what is going on with sex education in our country, what you can do, how you can approach your school, how you can discern the difference between a harmful sex education and one that actually uh, protects your children, um, and how you can get involved in politics. Ooh, did you just cringe? Don't. Because here's the truth. 
the legislation is so important because there is a move in our country that if sex education, according to Planned Parenthood, is legalized and mandated throughout the nation, that means every child in this country will be forced to go through graphic sex education, being taught morals and values that do not match family values. So this is why you cannot cringe when I talk politics. You cannot cringe when I ask you to vote. Um, the truth is, is that many people are not voting for, for example, our school board members, either in your district or statewide. And if Christians are not being represented as members in those groups, then someone else is making decisions about our schools, which means they're making decisions about how they're going to teach your children. So do not cringe at politics. It is important. I truly believe that God is asking everyone, every one of us to lead in our sphere of influence. So I, I'm really committed to ensuring that parents are leading in home, leading in their communities, local communities, but also leading through legislation. So today I have uh, Heather with me from Central Texas Coalition for Life, and we're talking about saving lives on the sidewalk and we have talked about a few stories and and just the importance of prayer, the importance of uh, being able to provide resources to women who are facing unplanned pregnancies. And not just women, sometimes it's also women with their husbands or women with their boyfriends. And um, so this is really important information to be sharing. And one of the things that I noticed, Heather, on your Facebook page recently that I mean, and I always follow your pictures, but this really stood out to me because it's a resource that's been around for a while called Check My Clinic, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'll let you tell tell us a little bit more about it. But I noticed that recently the Check My Clinic signs on the sidewalk while you all are there has greatly impacted not just women who were trying to go to the clinic, but even men who were walking past or driving by. And they ask for resources. So can you tell us more about how it happened? Sure. At checkmyclinic.org is uh, one of the great resources that we utilize. It was It's a project of Abby Johnson's ministry. So her staff um, regularly updates this website. It is a website that all it is is uploads from health departments across the nation of the failed health inspection reports of the abortion facilities. So... Um, you would think that um, all abortion facilities would be subject to the same standards as uh, all the other um, healthcare facilities, but they're not. And in fact, there's some states where they are actually absent from having to have a health inspection. So, um, you know, if you go on that map and you look at your state and you say, oh, my state doesn't have any failed health inspections. The abortion facilities must not be that bad. Nope. We can guarantee you they're bad, but they just don't have it reported. They haven't been caught for these things. Yeah. So every single abortion facility, sadly, in the state of Texas has failed health inspections, most of them routinely. And so we thought, you know, people need to know that if they're not bothered that they do abortions here, maybe they would be bothered by that. Maybe that's some common ground we can come to. Like, don't you at least think that clinics should be clean? I mean, what what happened to clinics being safe for women, you know, and and they're and this is such high quality care, supposedly. It's, in fact, the opposite. Um, And there is really egregious reports violations on there, such as unsterilized instruments, uh, rips and tears in the exam tables, which harbor bacteria that can uh, 
transfer from one woman to the next. Um, there's been lots of reports of holes in the floor or in the wall where rats or rodents get in. I mean, it's just disgusting stuff that would not fly. Right. And so, um, but they get away with it because they are the abortion industry. So we feel like if, if you know, legally nothing can be done, then at least we can educate the community that this is happening. And so um, there was a, last week I was on the sidewalk and there was a man that was walking by, um, just a, a nearby resident from what I gathered. And he looked at my sign and it said, you know, that Whole Woman's Health, which is one of our abortion facilities, that they had failed to sterilize their instruments. And so he's like, you know, he was confused and he said, can you explain your sign to me? And so I did. And I said, you know, this is an abortion facility here and they uh, this the sign says this because this is what's happened and it's routine. And I said, yeah. and you don't have to take my word for it. There's a website that has the file uploaded from the health department. If you don't believe it's from the health I department, you can go to the health department yourself and yeah. you can find out. That's awesome. um, but it's nothing new. And so um, he said, uh, well, that's not um, he's like, well, I mean, that's good that you're pointing that out, but you're not anti-choice. Right. <laughs> and so oh, I, I um, you know, unfortunately, we didn't have an extended conversation like I would hope. But I basically told him I'm anti everything about this. I said I am anti the dismemberment and poisoning of children. I'm anti harming women. I'm anti anti lying to women. And I'm certainly anti the, you know, r- the disgusting uh, conditions that are in these facilities that they're just allowed to continue right. to get away with. So, yeah, I'm anti all of that. And so um, he, you know, just thought, well, it's not as big of a deal because abortion, that's more important, you know, and and um, and that's how a lot of people are. Um, it, it's amazing how um, people say there's no such thing as pro-abortion. There very, they're very much is. Um, there is, yeah. very much is there are people that are out there that are pro-abortion, that it doesn't matter that these healthcare quote unquote facilities are um, failing health inspections left and right. It doesn't matter that their workers are not trained, that they may not even gotten a, a, a high school diploma and they're ministering, um, you know, anesthetics or, or, or anesthesia or, um, you know, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Um, it doesn't matter because abortion has to happen. Right. And that's sad. <laughs> It is very sad. And, and I think it's interesting that many times, um, you know, we, we, we know those people who complain at restaurants all the time. You know, this is nothing is ever clean enough or nothing is ever this enough. And, and we have a right. I mean, you know, you don't want to go eat somewhere where it's not clean. But it's interesting how as a society we may complain more about uh, an unkept public park than we are going to complain about proof showing that the abortion industry is consistently dangerous on many, many levels. Um, Or just even hearing you say, I'm against the dismemberment of children. You know, having been someone who uh, didn't, you know, who was pro-choice at one point in her in my life, and I don't know that I ever called myself that, but I but I was, mm-hmm. uh, and then pro-life. I think a lot of times it's just so shocking; it's hard to understand. It's like those words just, and maybe that's what made that change for Abby as well. Is that when she actually finally witnessed it and saw it happening, mm-hmm. then it was real. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 it. And it doesn't mean that we have to show that in a graphic way all the time because that's not helpful either. But it is interesting that um, I think a seed was planted there, though. That was a seed that was planted in that situation. And and, and it's important that that information continues to come out because it really makes you think twice about that industry. Um, And it really preys not only on the vulnerability of of the clients coming in, but it really is also preying on the vulnerability of the people that they hire. Mm-hmm. 
They choose the people that they hire carefully. Um, if you know that you can hire someone who is vulnerable, then you know that you're going to keep them for, for a long time because they're going to become dependent on you. Mm-hmm. Or they may not know better. If they're very broken, then they're not going to know that what's happening isn't right. Um, or they're or they're not going to fight against it. Because I think you're right. I think we do know in our hearts that something isn't right. Um, but many times we're not ready to face that or we're too broken to know that. And I think that that's what's been so powerful about sidewalk advocacy is that you we are, we all are, all, I'm sorry, we are all broken in our own ways. But when you're on the sidewalk in front of an abortion clinic, you are coming across a lot of broken people. And here we have people who are standing in love and compassion to help that broken person. And that is so important because if you're not there, nobody will be there. It'll be a sad, it's sad to see an empty sidewalk. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for those of you out there who are listening and you're thinking, I'm not courageous enough to do something like that, I want you to really think twice. I mean, you may, like Heather mentioned, some, some people are not ready to actually do the counseling piece, but they can be there to pray. Um, And so I don't want you to underestimate the power that you have as someone who can pray and just be there for someone or just even listen to someone. I mean, let's say they just come and they listen. You don't have to be perfect. But the truth is, is that when you come to Heather's organization, she provides an excellent training and you will be prepared. But if you really just want to be there and pray and peacefully pray, that means a lot too. So as you're listening to this radio show, I want you to be, you know, to really pray about this ministry, about becoming involved in this ministry and finding and even telling other people you might know someone who might be interested in this. And there's probably a lot of different ways that you can support this kind of work. Um, and, And Heather, how can people get a hold of you or your organization to learn more about upcoming trainings? Sure. We are on Facebook. So if you search Central Texas Coalition for Life, um, we're also on Instagram and um, we have a Twitter account, but I wouldn't recommend going there. It's pretty boring. (laughs) We we mostly do have our efforts on Facebook and Instagram. Our website is centraltexascoalition.com. You can email info at centraltexascoalition.com if you want to email me, uh, if you have any questions whatsoever. But we do now, of course, like everything, we've we've been having to put a lot of things on hold. So we don't have a date yet for our next um, sidewalk advocate training. And we don't even know if we're going to have it in person or online yet. But we are looking into that. And I'm, I'm wanting to have it sooner rather than later within the next month and a half. And so if you are interested, it's a really, really thorough training. It goes over apologetics. It goes over um, what the resources are in our community. And we uh, try to allow plenty of time for discussion, um, Q&A, because a lot of people are just we're afraid, like I was. I, I was afraid when I first got involved. I, in my mind, I thought I have to have all the answers uh, before I am ready to go to the sidewalk. Because otherwise, if someone comes up and approaches me and asks me a question, I don't know the answer, then I am just not worthy enough to be out there. And mm-hmm. then I thankfully realize after a while, that's not it. Like, what you have to have humility. You're not ever going to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers now after 10 years full time of doing this. Um, we're always going to be learning and growing. And so that's another thing that we try to instill in our sidewalk advocates that we're a team. We've got ongoing trainings. We've got um, experiences on the sidewalk. We have um, uh, gatherings where we have group discussions so we can talk about what's been going on, on the sidewalk, how we can do better next time, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then we're always trying to implement like 
think about how you think and how you're talking in general about this. If you're going to the Thanksgiving, you know, dinner with family and mm. this topic comes up, like be prepared to be able to have a discussion without getting so worked up. But just to, you know, if somebody disagrees with you on this, not to get angry at them, but to really listen mm. and to not make a lot of assumptions and then also reflect on yourself. What do you mean when you're pro-life? Are you really pro-life? Um, what does that mean when you say that? And then what does your friend or family member mean when they say they're pro-choice? You might actually have a lot more that you agree on than you realize. You just have to know how to have navigate that discussion. And that's part of more generally talking about it. And that's part of our training as part of what we that's do. That's excellent. I love that. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, like, I'll just give a good example that's come up time and time again is, um, you know, when something, especially nationally, comes up about abortion, people want to say, like, you know, you shouldn't ab- you shouldn't have an abortion because you could be aborting the the person that has the cure for cancer. You you should be, you could be aborting the next Beethoven. Like, mm. and and I, I get the sentiment behind that, but in all honesty, it's a terrible argument. It's mm. a terrible justification for non-abort because. A, the pro-abortion movement can flip that around easily. Oh, you should have this abortion because they could be the next Hitler or they, they're going to go into mm. poverty, poverty and eventually they're going to be in a gang and they're going to kill a bunch of people. Like, it, that is based on quality of life and that never should be why we make a decision like because we're not yeah. God and we shouldn't be making these decisions every single one of us deserves a chance at life right. first of all because we don't have life we don't have anything else right. so basing it on well you shouldn't do this because you know they might be a benefit to society in this major way like that's not the best approach so things like that little things of thinking about mm. how our how we interpret or how our mindset is really helps us to have better conversations with people on the sidewalk and with our peers and our family members. I, you know, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that your training went into that. And Mm -hmm. I think just (laughs) that that is so helpful. Uh, I think even for me, I mean, I was just when you mentioned the Thanksgiving dinner, I'm like, yeah, that would be really great to have. (laughs) But you're right, Heather. um, And that's, you know, and in the work that I do, I talk to parents a lot too about this is about preparing yourself about how to respond to that difficult conversation. We want to be prepared. Uh, if it comes up, whether it's on the sidewalk or at a Thanksgiving dinner or at a gathering with a bunch of friends, whatever it is, is that you have that information and you're prepared to be able to give a proper response, not a highly emotional response, but a proper response and an answer for life, an answer for why parents are the authority or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's excellent. So just so that for the listeners, I want you to know that I will, as soon as I find out from Heather what those dates are, I will be letting you know about those dates. You can also find them on her website as well, as she said. And I just want to thank you for joining the show again today. Uh, if you're, this is the the Monica Klein show. I'm glad that you joined. And um, for more information about It Takes a Family, please go to ittakesafamily.org. I would love uh, for you to sponsor the show. So if you're a business owner who would like to sponsor this show, please email me at hello at monicakline.com. And please join me again next week. I am here every Saturday morning at 10 in the morning. And I would love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out and have a blessed week.